Welcome to Persisters, an all-female live show and podcast, hosted by Beth Rowe and produced by Alex Kearns. Each week, we'll play you a piece from our live show, followed by an interview between the performer and us, Beth and Alex. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at PersistersLA. Hello, brave in the front row. Um, thank you. Thank you, Beth. Uh, Beth and I know each other because we both volunteer at a program, a drama program for people with special needs. So every Saturday morning, we're basically like free dancing and singing show tunes with people with Down syndrome and autism and various genetic disorders. What I'm saying is we're really good people. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll never forget when I first met Beth, because the tricky thing is, when new people come to the class, I'm never sure whether they're there to take the class or to volunteer at it. So, so I had been there a few years before Beth started, and, and she walked in the door, and she was kind of shy and nervous, and she was wearing like quirky mixed prints with her little bangs. <laughs> So I approach, and I said, hi, I'm Jessie, welcome. And she said, hi. And I said, what's your name? And she said, it's Beth. And I said, hi, Beth. Beth, I have a question for you. Do you like High School Musical? And she said, I'm a volunteer. And I said, OK, cool, put your shit down there and sit in the back. And we've been friends ever since. We really have. Beth, everybody, such a lovely, beautiful person. She started this. She's raising money for a great cause. Um, but enough about her. Let's talk about me. Uh, so I want you to raise your hand if you think I'm a, a mom. If you think I look like a mom. Oh, OK. You're not sure? You could put that hand down. Actually, you could all put that hand down. That's really offensive. This is a podcast. We'll cut that part out. Nobody. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. Um, the thing is, uh, my deepest fear, like my biggest insecurity, is that I look like a mom. And the problem is that I am one. <laughs> Uh, in fairness, I've recently become a mom, but a few weeks ago I pulled up to, for like a fancy meeting. I'm dressed fancy. It's this big office building. A valet takes my car. He jumps in and he says, you have kids? And I said, no, what? I'm No? Why? And he said, because there's a car seat. And I was like, okay. Stood there frozen, lying to a valet. Even when Beth told me that tonight's theme was change and she thought maybe I could speak a little bit about becoming a mom, I was offended. Like, I was like, sure, okay, I get it. You want me to talk about how I've changed from being a young, carefree, fun-loving girl to a tired, old, washed-up mom. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I have. Like, I am a mother now. One year and 17 days ago, I entered the club I only ever reserved for my mom and my grandma and women who liked cropped haircuts and pleated pants and Michael Buble. Motherhood. <laughs> and so instead of denying it, tonight 
I am up way past my bedtime with a glass of wine here to talk about it. Yes, I have pumped and dumped, and I am ready to go. So I'm going to start from the beginning. My husband, Evan, and I have been together for 11 years, married for four. Um, I turned 34, and while I'm not great at math or gynecology, I did know that all of that adds up to shrinking ovaries. So we were at that phase of life where like, our fridge used to be filled with alcohol and suddenly was plastered with birth announcements. Our friends who used to invite us out to bars were inviting us to first birthday parties, and we figured it was start time for us to start catching up. So when we talked about it and decided we were finally ready, I was shooting a show in Toronto and he was working on a show here in LA. So we, we thought we'd have like one little baby, we would throw it in our carry-on, we would take it back and forth and it would be this adorable accessory to our bi-coastal lifestyle. So we find out we're pregnant, we couldn't be happier. Now I'm still shooting in Toronto, he's in LA, so we have to wait a few months before we can be in the same city for our first ultrasound. Finally we go. We hold hands, and as we're marveling at the sight of our little baby with its little heartbeat, suddenly the doctor gasps and says, oh. And we said, what? <laughs> what is it? And she looked closer at the screen, and then closer at the screen, and then she tilts the screen towards us, pans over a little bit, to reveal another baby just chilling there. You're having twins, she said. Um, if you've never been told you're having twins before, let me tell you, it's a lot. Like, I blacked out for a large part of the rest of the appointment, but from what I can remember, I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. I started to, like, ask her if she was sure, if, if she could check again, if she was sure this wasn't a mistake. Meanwhile, I'm trying to choke back tears so she wouldn't think I was a terrible mother and call the child services on me. She assures me, no, it's not a mistake. It was twins. We're having identical twins. Let me just be clear. I didn't want twins. I wanted a husband and a career and a baby. One baby like everybody else, like all the announcements on my fridge. <laughs> One baby wrapped in yarn in a pumpkin on a Shutterfly postcard. That's what I wanted. That was the plan. I didn't plan for twins. I didn't even know twins. And I started to thinking about it and like, sure, I had every Mary Kane Nashley movie on VHS and I had met the Property Brothers once in person and they're much taller when you meet them in person. But that was it. And yet there they were, two little babies with their two little hearts beating inside of me. And eventually I moved past the shock and the fear and embraced the joy and the sheer luck and the fact that I'm obviously Beyonce. <laughs> and six months later, I pushed two humans out of my loins in under 30 minutes. I screamed and I cried and I pushed with every muscle in my body while breathing through an oxygen mask and trying not to pass out or throw up while my husband stood there and watched with a GoPro strapped to his head. <laughs> and they say women are the weaker sex. Let me just tell you, 
because um, I've seen the video. Childbirth is more epic than The Rock in every The Rock movie combined. <laughs> like, I have never felt stronger, more powerful, more indestructible. Like, I had unlocked a secret superpower that all moms have always possessed for all of eternity. And when it was all said and done, I felt like running up to the hospital rooftop with my gown blowing behind me and yelling out across the whole city, if I can do that, I can do anything. And instead, I wheeled myself to the bathroom to change my adult diaper. <laughs> but from that day forward, I started my new job as a mom. And if you don't have kids, and I assume most of you don't since you're out casually drinking in Silver Lake on a Sunday night, <laughs> You might be wondering what motherhood is like. And so the best way I can kind of describe it is, have you ever had a job where you had no prior experience, you had no formal training, you weren't allowed to quit, and people's actual lives were at stake? <laughs> like if one day you decided to sleep in or stay homesick or like put off your work obligations to watch Bachelor in Paradise, your work obligations would die. That is motherhood. Now, I've had a lot of jobs. I have had a paper route. I've been a camp counselor. I even spent a summer as a pirate wench. That was my actual job title at a theme park in Canada. Um, but no job has been more challenging, more exhausting, more grueling, more fulfilling, or more wholly life-altering than mom. And the other day, as I applied my nipple cream and adjusted my breast pillow and looked down to see two of the sweetest, most hilarious babies on the planet, I started to think about tonight's theme of change, about the major life change that I have undergone in the past year. And I started to realize motherhood isn't just a full-time forever job. It is a full-time forever part of who you are. And at the end of the day, I'm a lot of things, but the thing that I'm the most proud of is the fact that I'm a mom. And yeah, I've always feared that being a mom wasn't cool. I lied to a valet about it. I was worried that having kids would change my identity, but it turns out that being a mom is the coolest part of my identity. And yes, I go to bed at eight, and I did have to Google who is Cardi B. But I am raising two incredible people from scratch. And as my mom might say, that's pretty darn cool. So as of tonight, with you young, carefree, fun-loving, childless people as my witness, I pledge to start embracing the change. I pledge to stop being embarrassed of the fact that I have entered motherhood and start embracing the fact that I'm part of this exclusive club reserved for my mom and my grandma and the most badass fucking women on the planet. And I have never felt so honored. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Persisters. I'm Beth Rowe. And I'm Alex Kern. And we're here with the lovely Jessie Crookshank. Hi. Thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure. I just heard that airplane go overhead and I took everything in my power not to go, airplane, airplane. <laughs> like it's like oh train. Oh because you're a mother. She's the new mom of two. Mm. That's so. Which is unbelievable. How old are they now? Well, they're identical twin boys. Right. They just turned one. Beth came to their first oh, birthday right. party. I did. I did. I drank 
all the soda water and I and I and I ate all of all of the tacos. The sugar? Good. Oh, the yeah. tacos. Yeah. Good. And you and Peter were like one of the only youthful childless couples there. <laughs> and so I really wanted you to like be drinking alcohol, but it was the soda water. That it was yeah. you know, Why it was you like, I think it was soda um, water. Cuz you had um a, a really nice soda water. You had Topo mm. Chico. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, with like the yellow label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really sprung. Yeah. We really sprung. Your whole family was there. Yeah. My family is like they love me a certain level and then my children emerged and they were like and I was like oh okay that's you love yeah. them way more like they came in from all around the world to Aww. be at my children's first birthday party which for the record they'll never remember right but they'll have you'll yeah, have, the photos. have the photos yes and exactly. your your mother lives in Vancouver yeah your father also lives in Vancouver my father's in San Diego in San Diego uh-huh. yes. wow, okay yeah just living that San Diego lifestyle it sounds like a nice yeah. one it's really nice I mean, he's like sends me pictures of him in a sailboat and I'm like oh it's Tuesday all right yeah yeah that sounds really mm-hmm. nice I haven't really figured San Diego out I feel like yeah. it's like I can't I don't know what the youths do youths, in yeah. San Diego. I know what my 71-year-old father does, but sure, I'm like, right. what is this? I've only been to San Diego once and it was raining. Oh. I think I've also said that before on this podcast. Oh, well now <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it's a fact. It. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah I should I'm, add that to your set. <laughs> so like my mom. You should do that in your skits. Write that down. Yeah, write it down. Yeah, write that down. Wait, so you you came from Vancouver to... Did you go to Toronto first? Yeah. Okay. I w- grew up in Vancouver, yeah. which is like just, you know. Beautiful. Beautiful. I go all the time. <laughs> An idyllic place to grow up. Yes. And then gorgeous. I went to Toronto for university, and then I got like oh. my first jobs in television there, so I stayed cool. there there for 10 years. Where do you oh, go to wow. school? U of T. U of T. University of Toronto. Cool. They say it's like the Harvard of Canada, but right. you yeah. know, there's not a lot of, to compare it to. McGill. Sure. McGill. Right. Yeah. That's McGill. I've heard of. Yes. A lot of Americans have heard of McGill. A lot of Americans go to McGill. Yeah. My dad wanted me to study abroad be in at McGill because it was cheaper. Well, I probably, I don't know. He was like, well, you're going to go learn French anyways. Why don't you just go to McGill instead? Eh. Because it was just like you like. That, don't you want to learn Canadian like Canadian French accent? Since you're Canadian, oh, do you want? No. Yeah. Oh, it's no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's that pretty. It's, I w- I grew up going to French immersion as many oh, Canadians really? do, and yeah. so all of our teachers were Quebecois. So I learned. Quebecois French was just like, like it's not attractive. And I remember going to France for the first time and speaking and they were like, excuse me, like offended (laughs) that I was trying to speak French. It's like when Europeans say the hardest accent for them to understand is a Southern accent. Is it? Yeah, that's it. Like Europeans are like, it's like, oh yeah, that would be really hard mm-hmm. because they also slur their words. Mm. <laughs> and they have their own vocabulary. They, because right. all Southerners are the same. They. A My, fun, oh sorry, what were go you going to say? What's fun? Oh, well, a fun little tidbit about you growing up in Vancouver is you grew up with some other entertainment people. I did. Jesse grew up with um, Seth Rogen. Oh my gosh! And uh, Nathan Fielder. Yeah, and you guys oh were God. in an improv troupe together. Yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. I love Nathan Fielder. Oh well, he was at my birthday, my children's birthday party. Maybe he got there after you. I wasn't invited. The, the rubber came for the the, the, al- the alcohol fair. 
the app because we drank all the soda water, so we had to leave. Yes, yeah. yes, um, that's true. You were just <laughs> wasted off that water. I did. I was on an improv team. That's I was the only so girl wild. with um, Seth and Nathan. And actually, oddly enough, like there were, are several other people on that improv team. One out of the eight of us is a doctor or has like a real job yeah. and is successful in life. The yeah. rest of us are all in in still in the entertainment business. Wow. But Seth and his writing partner, Evan, um, right. were the oh, only right. people that I knew when I moved here. And I was like, oh, cool. Oh, well, I'll wow. just like, I'll, I'll call them. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm here. And they were like... <laughs> Amazing. Um, we're kind of busy making <laughs> multi-million dollar franchises, right. but and I was like, okay, well, I'm not. I'm available. So, yeah. so they sort of like helped introduce me to other people, and now that's so you nice. Know, there's a whole group of us that's from so our cool. little school. In I Vancouver. met Seth Rogen's wife once after a play, and she was so lovely. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, she's, she's smart, really lovely. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wild, isn't it? It's such a small. I love the idea. Oh. Also, it's kind of like um. A little different, but Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, and Mike Birbiglia all went to Georgetown together at like different times, but we're oh. friends. Huh. I went to Georgetown years later, but I wasn't in comedy at all there. Um, and I'm like, damn it, why wasn't I in comedy there? But I love that when you've created that friendship so long ago, yeah, cultivated and then carry it on. Well, those I mean, guys are uh, amazing in that, like. uh, there's a handful of their writers and even their assistants and producers and people that they work with are from Vancouver, like went to Tama Torah Jewish elementary school with them and or Point Grey where I went to high school and like they bring like in waves people have been coming out to kind of work with them or in tandem with them. It's Mm -hmm. really amazing. And I don't know what was like in the water at our school, why why there were so many people from that school who went off and had success in this business. But it's amazing. And I remember when Seth got Freaks and Geeks, we mm-hmm. were in grade 11. Because wasn't it filmed in Canada? No. Was it filmed here? It was filmed here. Okay. But I think they hmm. cast in Vancouver. Okay. Um, and we were all like, I'm sorry, wait, what? Like, he was funny, but he wasn't what we imagined. If I could pick one person from <laughs> our school to, like, it? go off and make it in Hollywood, right. it was not like Seth who had who bleach blonde dreadlocks in grade eight. Like, it was not him and, like, That's a crazy so laugh. Funny. So oh, we right. all... I think he left and, you know, it was detrimental to us because he left our improv team and we were like, don't you know we have bar mitzvahs booked this season? Uh-huh. Like, how could you, you abandon us? We performed at bar mitzvahs. Oh, my That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we made a hundred dollars split eight ways. It was a big, that's incredible it was a big deal for Thank a first. You. Yeah. Uh, split seven ways when Seth oh left God. us. Oh, so you yeah. made more money when he left. Yeah, I good. guess it was yeah. beneficial, but we all got together at my friend Dan Vertlieb's house. There were like 30 people sitting on his TV room floor to watch the premiere of freaks and geeks, both out of support for our friend, but also out of genuine curiosity because we did not believe we were like, is it, is this real? Did this person really go to he? Hollywood? He was 16. I think we were in grade 12, 11th or 12th grade. That's so nice. Were you guys already actively auditioning? No, no. That's why it was, I mean, I don't know. He was So he must have been. Oh, he was doing stand-up. In high school? In high school. He was like going to clubs in high school. And I guess they came and did like a cat. They were looking for real people, right? So they came to Vancouver and did a casting. But he was super private about it. Like, you remember the kids you you grew up with who were actors and who were like, I'm in a commercial. And you're right. like, oh, okay. He yeah. was not one of those people. So it was shocking for all of us. 
That's I love so that interesting. show. That show is so good. So good. Oh, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And it, it's lasted. Like, it's still funny. Yeah, I have to rewatch. I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but I got to rewatch. Oh, there's a lot. It's happened to me, too. Yeah. I loved Undeclared, too, which was Judd Apatow's follow-up show, but it only had, like, one season, maybe two, but it was so funny. When you went to Toronto, then what what jobs did you start booking out of school? Was it acting or hosting? Well, I um, while I was in school, I always worked with people with special needs and Down yeah. syndrome autism. I always did that. So I was working like teaching draw a drama program in to like as my summer and to pay my way through university yeah. job. And I was like, this job is really hard and I don't make a lot of money. Like there's, a, I saw a poster for an audition for a kid's show which is like Nickelodeon of Canada, YTV. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I'll just go do that and that'll be my summer job and I'll make TV money. <laughs> so I went to the audition and there was there was like a lineup around the block of people <laughs> who clearly had the same idea as me. We're like, That's we don't so want funny. our regular summer jobs. And I went in and they made me make a peanut butter sandwich like that was my audition and I was devastated. I had like all these things planned that I was going to do. And they just, there was like a bread and peanut butter and you just had to make a sandwich. And one after the other, people were just going through and there was this garbage can filled with peanut butter sandwiches. For no like jelly? It was just peanut butter. What? I don't even remember what I did or said, but I left with like my dreams crushed because I knew I would have to go back to my regular job, which was challenging. And then I Got the job. Oh my gosh. So funny. So I was a children's uh Is that host? your first audition? Yeah. Like a for a, for anything real? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, that's a lie. As a child, I played um I had one line in a Bob Saget directed film, television okay. movie. Oh wow. What um, was it called? It was called For Hope. For Hope. Um guys, I was cut out of the film, but okay. I received a letter from Bob Saget informing me that I was cut out of the film. That's which sweet. I thought was really handwritten, really, really lovely. No, it's typed. That's all right. Yeah. Took yeah. A, but That's in the nineties, really nice. like word process. All right. Wow. Yeah. That so that's nice. a lie. I did do that. Yeah. Mm. Um uh and but yeah, that was like my first real thing. And then I got this job driving an octopus truck, like a truck with octopus and slime on the truck across the country and doing these giant live shows for children um, on YTV. Wow. Wow. It was like half babysitting, half selling shit to children, and then half hosting. Wow. That's awesome. Did you love it? Yeah, I yes. I mean, I was so much better than my friends who were, you know, had boring regular summer jobs. Yeah. but how old were you? Like 20? 21. Whoa. Uh-huh. Television. How did you, how, and then how did you get from that to MTV? So I, that I guess was the first time that I like really liked hosting. Yeah. And I always found for me to be able to be funny and me and like use my own voice was, was much more gratifying than. Sure. You know, being an actor in, say, a Bob mm-hmm. Saget helmed film. Where you get cut out. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you get, his film. You get cut out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, uh, I found out that MTV was doing a nationwide search. They were launching in Canada. It previously hadn't existed in Canada. So this was a big deal. And um, 
I was fresh. I had just graduated from university. My dad was living in New York at the time. My San Diego dad was living <laughs> in New York. Wow. And I had a week. I would like love going to, to stay with him on the weekend because I was, you know, like 23 and I could just go explore New yeah. York. I honestly didn't know at the time that there was anything below 71st Street. Like I was in my the Upper East Side where sure. my dad lived, and I right. thought that Still that great. was New York. Yeah. The, like it, it was years until I discovered Soho. And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> um, so I was going to visit my dad, and MTV demo tapes were due on Monday, and I was like, Ugh, I have this my trip booked. I paid like 150 dollars for these tickets. I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. So I arrive in New York, and I tell my dad like I wanted to do this tape for MTV, and he said, Well, I have a friend who has a production company in Times Square, let me uh, give her a call. So he's like, you know, go over there. I called her. I told her you were coming and knock on the door and see if she can help you. And in hindsight, now that I have worked in this business and I understand what, you know, a production company does, like, can you imagine just this annoying person shows up and is like, can you film me for a demo tape? But I did. I knocked on the door and this like young handsome tall man answered the door um and he was her editor and I was like hi can you like do you think you could help me if there's someone I could film my dad is your friend is your boss's friend could you help me make a demo tape and he was like it's Friday like what what um but he agreed and um she ended up like letting me shoot in Times Square. I just went and talked to people in Times Square and was like what? funny with people for an hour in Times Square. And then I went back and we sat, I sat with this guy in the edit bay, cut the footage together, made a funny demo tape, got it to them by Monday, and ended up marrying that man. What? Hey, right? Hey. No. And getting the job. That and was getting the, the job. Editor guy. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that's yeah. an amazing story. It's so great. <gasps> mm-hmm. So we, yes, I got the job and I had to like call him to thank him for his free hours of editorial service. I actually sent him a $10 iTunes gift card because he was the first person I ever knew to have an iPod. And I remember part of our conversations during that edit session. I was like, so this just has all your CDs on it. (laughs) Oh my God. You guys have been together forever. Yes. As a thank you gift, wow. I send him a ten dollar iTunes gift card, which to this day he's like, "Really? That's um, what I got?" <laughs> uh-huh. And I call him wow. to say thank you, and then we ended up like talking and communicating, and eventually having twins. Wow! So he's American. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So did you guys go long distance when you went back to Toronto? Yeah, we were long distance. I mean, we were just like, you know. Friends right, for right. a couple of years. Right. Uh, but he really showed me the city. Like, finally, I knew somebody in New York who wasn't my dad. So he would, like, take me out to cool bars and, like, you know, Fun. it oh was very, um, it was, like, so exciting and romantic. Yeah. And then we started doing long distance. For four years, we were long distance. Mm-hmm. When did you guys have your first kiss? Oh, like the first night. Uh, like that. She was, was like not... in Times Square when he was filming. Okay. <laughs> cool. On camera. It was like very early. No, it was when I oh, went okay. back, I had to like go say thank you and give him his ten dollar <laughs> iTunes gift okay, card. It was then. Yeah. So okay. I had to like personally deliver so it. You didn't just give him yeah, a you ten dollar gift card. You gave him Guys, but it was like I was like 23. I was giving a lot of smooches at that time. Sure. I don't sure. know if you were ever went yeah. into that. Zone. Yeah, I feel like all of my smooching, like like my like serial smooching, happened when I was like 
29. Yeah. You remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you need to so show up two years ago. Yeah. So I'd show up. So because uh, because Jesse and I volunteer at the same a theater company I'd show up to rehearsal and we, I think we were carpooling at yeah. that time because yeah. we used to live right by each other and, and and she'd be like oh are you still dating I was like no I am two men past that guy here's what's going on and she'd be like oh my god it was so exciting I just was like I think I was just like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna try everything yeah. but you have to yeah and it doesn't matter if it happens when you're like 16 or 23 or 29 you have yeah. to go through that try everything phase in order to like be ready sure when you find the right person right? yeah I agree I think yeah I was I think I I was just like when when Peter came along I was like no this is the person I've always envisioned and like I knew but like I needed to go through the mm-hmm. like the other yeah yeah yeah, because you'll always wonder, who could I be kissing drunk tonight? <laughs> right. Right? You know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why, I, that's why I, I want, he won't do it, but I want to role play. Not like sexual role play, but like, oh, we're out at a bar we've never been to before. Hi, my name's Sarah. You? Oh. I'm here on a business I trip. I do that. And he's like, why don't you want to love me? <laughs> Just love me. We love each other. And I'm like... Michael? Did you say your name was Michael? <laughs> There's no interest in it. But I'm just like, that's what I'm used to. It's like a new guy every three months. Right. Actually, that reminds me. I went to a bar once in this area, and I think I was on a date. I don't even remember. <laughs> but I ran into this girl, and she was like on a role playing. Like, she had been hired to do that. <gasps> and like, I saw her. Or apparently she like saw me at the bar, but like didn't say hello because she was working. Yeah. And then I went to the bathroom and she was like, came to the bathroom. She's like, Alex, oh my God, hey. And I was like, hi. She's like, so sorry I didn't say hi to you earlier. And I was like, what? Why? And then she told me this whole thing. I'm like, what are you doing? <gasps> I think it was like off of Craigslist or something. That's amazing. No. Yes. I mean, amazing or scary. I know. It's crazy. So it's, you know, you could get paid for it, Beth. If Peter doesn't let you do it. Then I'm going to go find joy outside yeah. oh do you know what i miss about being single what? is being like i don't know if i'm on a date or not you know when you're like out with somebody and you're like is this a date or are we friends you miss that did, I, I miss talking about it uh, do you f- i miss you talking <laughs> i miss like the carpool mornings where i wish you know who was where and what was happening um do you find since getting engaged uh-huh. that because that <laughs> to me was a big change. Like yeah. I was a commitment phobe and I was cool that we had been together for a long time because I never really talked to, like it didn't, he was in another country. Sure. It was fine. I could still feel in my soul. Like I could still go out there. But the minute yeah. there's a ring when there's a beautiful ring on your finger, yeah. the minute there's a ring on your thank finger, you. you're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. They're definitely, this was like the, the my, like the, my first milestone was like, oh, I'm older. That mm. was what I felt. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it, I, sometimes like going out, like I, like you said it the other day, you're like, oh, that guy checked you out. And then like, I saw him look at my ring and then he acted differently. Wow. And it's like, oh, I like Which some of the, was it was just a guy. It was a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but that was like, oh, and I'm, I'm like, am I, am I an old lady now? Like right. people would be like, oh no, not that one. It's Hollywood. People don't care if there's a ring on your finger. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
I yeah. strategically just put a lot of rings on my fingers, <laughs> so I not I don't I, ever have like a single I'm engaged ring. Yeah, it's that, always just oh maybe she's eccentric. <gasps> Even when me. I have two babies, <laughs> I'm like, like mm. please everyone, I'm still appealing. I'm just going to the club. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going out. Going yeah. Out. So you 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 got married and then had um, twins. I want to say like it happened. It didn't happen immediately. No. no. We were together for eight years before we got married. I right. put wow. that shit off. I like didn't yeah. want to get married. I wanted to Angelie jo- Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. It. Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell. Oh, I you didn't want to get time. married. Yeah. No, it was never a priority for me. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I, I always felt like we had been together for so long. We were so solid. Like, yeah. why add that pressure? And my sister, I have an older sister who, like, was planning her wedding when we were kids. Like, that was her. She could mm. not wait. She wanted to be 24. She she always said she was going to get married at 24. Wow. And she was going to have <laughs> blue bridesmaids dresses. Like, she knew it all. And so I think I sort of rebelled in that way. Like, I was like, well, I'm not going to get married. And if I do, I'm going to wear runners. And, you know, like I yeah. never really was that person who visualized it for myself. Um, but it was really important to Evan after a certain point that, like, we oh. we lock it down. Yeah. And we knew we wanted to have kids. Not that it matters. But I think we were just like, okay. Everybody else was married. We were at that phase of life where, like, we had mm-hmm. been the only single ones at our last friend's wedding. And we were like, oh, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. So we got engaged so. and then we were engaged for a long time before we finally like had a proper wedding. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I was, um, I, I was Googling your wedding because I was, I really love your dress that you wore. Thank you. So, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're I've, in spent wedding like, mode. I've spent like hours looking at wedding dresses and oh, being like, yeah. yeah, just like, oh, with that, I could do, but, 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 and then I was like, oh, let me look at Jesse's, and I was like, let me, where did the, where, what design, let me go look through that designer, and then it's just like, it's a whole, from all the time that I, I have all so much time now that I'm not stalking men online. Are you serious? But it's like, you, I still, because I am lazy and bad at the internet, I still follow all the wedding blogs oh. and all the wedding Twitter accounts that I followed Oh, really? Four years ago when I got married. So I'm still getting all these wedding updates, which are not applicable to my life. But you get in a hole where that is the only thing you think about or look at. And it's crazy, Mm -hmm. too, because I went from being somebody who did not care about my blue wedding bridesmaids dresses to someone who was like, well, this Pinterest account has you know, purple and blue flowers. Like I need, I mean, I just, you get crazy with the details that ultimately really don't matter. It's such a weird, it's so, it's so, it's so stressful and so weird. Mm -hmm. So stressful and weird. As long as you guys are cool. Sex on a wedding night very rarely happens because people are drunk Mm -hmm. and tired Uh and like, Uh and like, not Hungry. feeling it. Yeah. And like not virgins. I don't know. I feel like that's (laughs) like when people were virgins. What? Knowing you and Peter and like people who get married in 2018, at least the couples that I know whose relationships are very equal are usually pretty equally involved in the wedding planning. And as a result, it's, it's like you're putting on an event together. Like imagine if you and I decided we were going to throw a huge event for all the people in our lives who are important to us. And we're going to plan everything from the location to what we're wearing, to what people are eating. That's a, it's like a movie. Deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're producing yeah. right. and collaborating on something together. And it's like when it's over, 
you just want to eat and talk about how great it was. And, and you know, like there's, yeah. it's not, to us, it was more about being a team and putting something that big on together as a team. It was like the first amazing thing that we accomplished as a team oh, that's that we cool. could see hmm. the results of. Yeah. Um, uh, then it was sort of like a, you know, romantic, like giving myself to you. Right. Wedding. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind that of what I'm like. My, my friend Karen got married this summer and it was much more of like a fun event. Like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, the tradition, like giving myself, what did I have to do this? Because this is what other people do. Like it was fun and quirky and different. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just a reflection of who you guys are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I yeah. remember my husband looked at me during the, f- I remember not a lot cause it's such a blur, but I remember during our first dance, he looked at me and he's like, we can do anything. And I was like, Aww. it's true. It seems stupid, but you look around this space in this room with all of your loved ones and yeah. every little detail that we thought about that we executed was just, it comes entirely from us as a team yeah. because we don't work together really, except for the demo tape. Like this was <laughs> yeah. our opportunity to work together on something that was a real reflection of us. And I think it is true. Yeah. Like once you do that together, you can take, you can do anything. Do you think that having, um, having a partner has made you like have more of a sense of I can do anything like statistically they say like couples or like mar- not necessarily married couples but people in partnerships do um are like tend to like be more successful because really? you're like you're working not only for yourself but you're working for that person and whatever you do um inspires that person whatever mm. that person does inspires you and then you kind of like like the same like what Evan said to you is like, we can do anything. Yeah. It's just kind of like to have that person believe that. I think, I think I've never heard that. I think personally, probably yes, because mm-hmm. I'm, I have the most supportive partner. I think, I don't know if that's sure. common, yeah. but like, you know, my, uh, husband, has his own really successful career and yet when we had what does he do he's a producer and editor he's on a he's running a Netflix show right now oh my god cool I'm very proud of him that's amazing super like very successful Um, it has not it comes out in 2019 oh okay cool Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so he has his own life and career, and I have been able to witness. I've been with him for like since he was working at a sh- small, small company, company in yeah. Times Square with yeah. extra time to edit a stranger's demo tape to now like running a gigantic multi million dollar show. I'm yeah. so, so proud of him. So he has his own thing happening, and at the same time, he is always 100% willing to give up whatever he's doing if it's means supporting me and my career. So yeah. when we had our babies it was really terrible timing like not only did we not plan twins but we did not plan the timing of it I had to go back to my show which is a daytime talk show which like that doesn't stop it doesn't wait I can't hire a replacement so we went back he left his job and career in Los Angeles and moved to uh, Toronto with me and our eight week old babies like not medically recommended by the doctor to travel with premature babies at that age, but we did it, moved to Toronto and he was a full time stay at home dad while I went back to my show doing like oh my 14 hour 
more days. Yeah. So as a, yes, certainly I could not have a career. I could not have a lot of things if it wasn't for him, his support at the same time, when I was like single and on my own and I, I, I think I, I could throw myself a thousand percent into everything because I didn't have anyone that I was accountable to like seeing or hanging out with or, um, so there's, there's that, but certainly it's, I feel much, I feel really supported. When do you go back to the goods? I'm not going back to the goods. You're not. Oh, so you moved, you and you and the babies and Evan moved to Toronto and he stopped doing his job because you got this. uh, So you were in LA? We were in LA. Yeah. We moved to LA together after I, I did five years at MTV and I was like, the show on MTV had got picked up here at the Hills after show. At MTV, I was like an everything host. So I did like a daily show called MTV Live. I did a nightly uh, talk. We did... We did the first ever after show. This was before after oh, wow. shows were a thing, huh. before like Talking the Dead, Bachelor, Walking Dead, before yeah, yeah, totally. the Andy Cohen show, yeah. all of that. Yeah. And oh, the cool. only reason we did it was because in Canada, we needed you need to have a certain amount of Canadian content to balance out the U.S. content legally. So hmm. when there's 30 minutes of Laguna Beach, you have to have 30 minutes of Canadian content to balance it out. So our bosses at the time at MTV were like, well, why don't we just have a show where two kids just sit around and talk about the show that happened before it. And they gave me a tape of Laguna Beach, like the, or like the Kristen Cavallari days. Oh, wow. And we're like, watch this and tell us what you think about it. And I was fresh out of university where I got a very important English literature and women's studies degree. So I felt empowered. I felt intelligent. And I was like, absolutely not. This (laughs) is garbage. These, these Uh women are, teach it's sending the wrong message about wealth and he was like okay well too bad because you're going to be doing a show after where you talk about it so i we started doing the laguna beach after show live on friday nights at like 10 30 at night drinking actual alcohol and just like talking about the show that does sound so fun and then that turned into the hills after show and that became like this crazy thing and it was syndicated internationally and we would come down here and shoot it at MTV in the US it was like a big deal and perhaps our most lasting legacy is that after shows are now huge yeah all the real housewives like everywhere And it took a while for people to stop asking me to host their after shows. I was like, I can't just be an after show person. Yeah. So you did, you moved to LA after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We did like the, the, the Hills finale. Do you, I don't know if you watched the show, but when they like revealed that the Hills was all a lie and the doors opened on a studio set, no one had told us that that was going to happen. They had kept, they had shot three different endings and they had kept it so under wraps. Like usually we would get was episodes. Was it really all fake? I mean, obviously. Yeah. What, what do you mean it was all fake? It was scripted or? It was not scripted, but it got, it started out pretty real. Like yeah. Laguna Beach, there was, it was not, had not reached that level. But I think for with the Hills, as the girls became more and more famous, a lot of the, the issues that you saw on the show, like there were real fights that were happening, but they were not about what was actually uh, supposed to, like so they were fighting over so managers funny. and they were fighting over agent. There was like uh, all okay. this 
back stuff happening. So when we would have two girls on a show, sometimes they wouldn't sit next to each other. Sometimes they would not be in dressing rooms on the same floor as each other. Like there were real fights and we were always Conrad and Heidi, not even them. Like, there was a time Whitney. Lauren and Heidi would not appear together in the last like yeah. few seasons. I mean, I have so many stories we could talk about this all day. Oh but oh there was times where God. Dan, who I co-hosted with, and I were sitting there and like in the middle of two girls who would not look at each other or speak to each other, and we'd, we'd be like, "So, guys, let's talk about the episode." And it was dead silence because they would be fighting about a manager or a agent. That's and, like, so crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you mean when you said it was all fake? Oh, so at the end of the hills, like they wrapped up the season opening like a door to a lot, implying it sort of as a message to the audience saying to the audience that this was all fake. And everyone watching was like, shot it all in a soundstage or something. Yeah, which they hadn't, but it was this, you know. Got it, got it, got it. But we were not aware. We were not shown. We would get episodes well in advance, so we always knew what was going on. But we had no idea. So we were standing at the Roosevelt Hotel, like on the pool. We had this huge set. We had thousands of people in the audience with all the cast there. And we watched that happen live with everybody else. And we were like, and it came cut straight to us. And we were like, ah. Coming up, yeah, we're gonna talk to Lauren. Like we were so thrown. Yeah. So that happened, and huh. then um, I felt like it was a good time to like wrap. I had done. I had right. had a great time at MTV, and I was yeah. ready to move on to the next. But you you did a lot of red carpet stuff for right. You did inter. You worked for was it E? E Talk, yeah. E Talk. E Talk is like our giant entertainment show. The big entertainment show in Canada. So I I came to LA. I was working at the CW here and then I was working for eTalk in Canada. So I would get to do all like Emmys, Oscars, everything. So you've met so many. You've met everybody. <laughs> yeah, but you know, meet. Right. Sure. I've had four and a half minute conversations with a lot of people. What's the what's the craziest red carpet? Oh, red person? carpet? Or or sit down um, interview. You posted something recently about you with Bradley Cooper, oh which is so funny. Oh my did gosh, you what? Ha, did you watch that that clip or like any of that? I watched. Yeah, I watched oh, that clip. My God, you were I, like, he does not want to be talking to me. Was it was just like? Well, our whole mo at MTV. This is like going back. Our whole their whole thing was like it's MTV. I mean, the network was run by thirty year olds, and now right, that I'm right. in my mid thirties, I'm like. Oh my God. It was run by 30 year olds who were like, fuck the rules. We're MTV. Like it was MTV in Canada and, and we, was, we were launching for the first time and they really wanted to harken back to like the eighties yeah. MTV where there were no rules. So anytime right. th- I was raised with that and I'm so glad, like I learned how to do television with an, a mentality of it always has to be different. So I would never mm. go into a red carpet interview or a, or a junket interview and be like, so tell me about the movie. Tell me about working with blah, blah, blah. Like, nah. I would never do it. I would always go in and do something weird, something different, something awkward. And that sort of became what I was known for. And so people mm. would look forward to my interviews because they knew it was going to be something weird and different. And still to this day, I, I hope that I'm still able to do that. So when we had an interview opportunity with Bradley Cooper for The Hangover, and so oh. it was like, I don't really rem- know if you remember his level of fame, but it was certainly not post hangover. It was like pre hangover Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And so we said, would he you be willing? It was like Alias, right? Yeah. yeah. He wasn't like famous, famous. No. Yeah. So we said, would answer. you be willing to go on a date 
with our host. What? Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, he agreed. <laughs> oh, my God. So we had a bar, like this gorgeous little bar at a hotel shut down and lit and cameras and he was waiting in the bar and I walked in and I had not prepared anything. I had not like other than seeing the movie, I had not prepared. I was just, my mission was to go in and have a date with this person. (laughs) And so I did. And I, as a result, I was, didn't do research on him. Like the goal was just pretend this is a blind date and go be with this person. So I ordered myself a drink and I tried to get him to get a drink. And he said, no, I'll have water. And I kept, I said like, I have all this money from MTV petty cat. Like, and he was like, I'm not going to have a drink. I'm going to have water. And I was like, well, I'm drinking gin. And at one point he asked to smell my gin and then eventually revealed that he's a recovering alcoholic who is now sober. And for most of the date I had tried to force him right. to drink alcohol. So like that, we were off to a bad start. Oh my gosh. And it's How still on YouTube. It? And so with, when we're like, watching it after with this, the Bradley Cooper rise to fame, I um, revisited that and I posted it on my Instagram and like so many people are like, is, was that for real? And the answer is yes, it was That's so it was funny. for real. And he was so mean to me. He was mean to you? I mean, watch it. He's like, in in fairness, he's probably looking off being like, who the fuck agreed to this? Right. But he was not. He was, at one point, he, you know, makes makes fun of me throughout it. He asks when the date's going to be over. I mean, it doesn't go well. That's so... Funny. Um, I'll never forget going on like this. It wasn't even a date, but it was this guy I met at a play, and then we like went out for drinks after. And he's like, "What do you want to drink?" I was like, "I'll have a beer." And then I was like, "What are you getting?" He's like, "Oh, maybe water." I'm like, "Oh, a well, water? What? Are you an alcoholic?" And he's like, "I am actually." And I was like, "Oh, okay. you know, it's just like yeah. there's no way to get out of it. No, there's really, no way to recover." I one time was dating this person who was a, so, so attractive. This was like when I was in that drunk, that like drunken makeout phase. This person was way, like so, way too hot for me. I've never dated a hot person. Hot people were not interested. She's pretty so, hot, you guys, no. by the way. So, so <laughs> this person, I was always like, why is he into me? Like he was blonde. He was a professional snowboarder. He, had, like, he was like hot. and But he would always order salads or side salads. And I always felt, I didn't want to say anything like, oh, you're going to get another salad. But I think eventually I was like, oh, started to make fun of him and whatever. And he was always like, I'm getting a salad, whatever. And then we ran into someone that he knew and they were like, oh, my God, I didn't recognize you. What? You've lost like 300 pounds. And I realized that this person was like, had had a major life change, had lost hundreds of pounds and this is why he was eating salads and also probably why he was dating me because he didn't realize how attractive he was. That's I've, I've heard of um, actors who have lost significant, like that were much larger and then have lost a bunch of weight. And then obviously the way they carry themselves is still their old self. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden them as actors don't make sense anymore. Oh, do you know what I mean? So if you're like, 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 not naming names, but like they have, they have like, sure. they're like, like they like all of a sudden they're like you, your first look like 
glance, you're like, oh, you're smoking. You're so hot. And they have no idea. Or they they are like, I know what my body looks like underneath. Yeah. You know what it, or it's totally. like, but also the way they still have the personality before, but then the humor of like a, somebody who like an overweight male comedian onto like a hot body doesn't translate and you're just an asshole. Do you know what I mean? It, yes. Mm. Don't you feel, and like, I'm not going to make assumptions here, but uh, like assuming you guys didn't peak in high school, did not. No, Mm-mm. no. I'm no. so grateful for that. So grateful. Because in the same way, you form, I think, you form a scent, like the essence of who you are when you're in that that phase. Sure. And, you know, when I eventually got older and like had two eyebrows instead of one mm-hmm. and people started to look at me in a different way, I was like, oh, I'm like, I am, mm. um, I'm, I'm still, I'm always going to be that person that I was in totally. high school when I was like, you know, weird and scrawny and insecure. Um, but it also does like, there's a sadness to it of like when you do, sorry to be like devil's advocate here though. When you see someone look at you in a different way and you're like, oh wow, you're so vain. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's happened to you guys before with like a dude and all of a sudden you're like, oh, so you weren't interested in me before because like just of my look my looks oh no mm. I had a guy I was in love with in high school all of high school didn't know who I was didn't care and then I was on television and then I came back to Vancouver and he was like hey and I was like hello <laughs> I was <laughs> not offended I was yeah. not hurt I was yeah. like I will use this yeah. to my yeah. advantage yes, please. totally yeah. oh look at me now mm-hmm. uh, you watch the show great yeah <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of show, so you, so you're not going back and doing the goods. The goods, by the way, is a Canadian daytime television oh, show. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you doing? Can I, you say? I, I can't say, okay. but um, I'm really excited. I, I loved doing daytime. Like doing daytime was such a beast, and it was yeah. so, it was such a learning experience. Um, uh, but it had like it has a very different audience, you know, sure. much right. yeah. older yeah. skewing audience. And so the project I'm doing now is like m- very much more. I get to be me. I get to have a lot more control, and it's it's cool. for my people, which cool. is really is it exciting. based here. Yeah, and I get to, oh, I'm going back and forth. Okay, I'm shooting it here. I'm shooting in Toronto, and I'm shooting in Dallas in like a week. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. So that's 2019, guys. Okay. 2019 is going to be a big year for you and your family. Why? Because does Evan's show comes out in 2019. Oh, yeah, 2019 yeah, comes cool. out. Evan's yeah. show comes out in 2019. Also, 2019 is just around the corner. It's bizarre. Yeah. What happened? October? Oh, but October what's... was long, I feel Vote. Like. Don't forget to vote, people. Ugh. It Once, like, the f- f- autumnal season, ha- it's just all over. It's just then it's Basically Christmas. and then it's ba- yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, once November hit. I just had to do a Christmas photo shoot. That's so weird. Uh, in Los Angeles. Wow. I was wearing, like, parkas, dripping, sweating sure. parkas in, like, a 90-degree valley heat, uh, holding yeah. wreaths and gifts and putting up garlands and lights. And I really, since that was like three weeks ago, and since then I've been in the holiday spirit. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's got to do something. I just don't want to take my sweater off. I just want to wear a sweater. I show up everywhere smelly because I'm like, it's sweater weather. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's fall. Oh, it's 95. Cool. You have to make fall happen in LA. You have to force it to happen. Totally. Otherwise, you're just in your like jean shorts for yeah. through New Year's. Right. Yeah. I don't just have not any acceptable. Jeans. Not acceptable. No. Totally fine. 
Jesse, thank you so much. Thank this you so much so for being on our lovely. show. Thanks, guys. It was so fun. And yeah, and you. we'll um I'll go put on our jean shorts afterwards and, and watch the clip of Bradley Cooper and Jesse. <laughs> oh and my god! I cannot wait. We'll have links. <laughs> 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 <laughs>